0: Hello friends, starting with the five-minute legal newscast on Places of Worship Special Provisions Act 1991. The Places of Worship Special Provisions Act 1991 has again come into the limelight after nearly three years of Ayodhya judgment. The Supreme Court last month declined to immediately stop the ongoing survey of the Gyanwapi Mosque in Varanasi. Seeking an urgent intervention from Supreme Court, Senior Advocate Huzaifa Ahmadi pleaded for a status quo in the case pending before the Varanasi Civil Court, which directed a day-to-day survey of the Gyanwapi Mosque to inspect, conduct videography and collect evidence regarding the alleged existence of Hindu deities inside the mosque located next to the Kashi Vishwanath Temple. A bench of Justices D.Y. Chandrachud. Surya Kant and PS Narasimha made the important observation during an hour long hearing of the Gyanwapi Mosque dispute and said that it has dealt with provisions of the Places of Worship Act in its 2019 Ayodhya verdict and section 3 does not expressly bar ascertaining of the religious character of the place of worship it upheld the day to day survey order The Act was explained, the Act was enacted to prohibit conversion of any place of worship and to provide for the maintenance of the religious character of any place of worship as it existed on the 15th day of August 1947 and for matters connected therewith or incidental thereto. The Act extends to the whole of India except the state of Jammu and Kashmir. Section 3 of the Act bars the conversion of places of worship. It says that, No person shall convert any place of worship of any religious denomination or any section thereof into a place of worship of a different section of the same religious denomination or of a different religious denomination or any section thereof. Section 4 subsection 1 declares that, The religious character of a place of worship existing on the 15th day of August 1947 shall continue to be the same as it existed on that day. According to section 2 subsection 1, any suit, appeal or other proceeding with respect to the conversion of the religious character of any place of worship existing on 15 August 1947, pending before any court, tribunal or other authority shall abate, any legal proceedings pending on the commencement of the Act shall be disposed of. In all, the Act says that a mosque, temple, church or any place of public worship in existence on August 15, 1947 will retain the same religious character that it had on that day irrespective of its history and cannot be trained by the courts or the government. The exemptions being the issue over Ram Janmabhoomi Babri Masjid had already reached the courts at the time this act was enacted. Hence, it was exempted from the act. Section 5 of the act says that it does not apply to Ram Janmabhoomi Babri Masjid. It says, Nothing contained in this act shall apply to the place or place of worship commonly known as Ram Janmabhoomi Babri Masjid situated in Ayodhya in the state of Uttar Pradesh and to any suit, appeal or other proceeding related to the said place or place of worship. The Act exempts any place of worship which is an ancient monument, historical monument or an archaeological site. Also, the monuments covered under the ancient monuments and archaeological sites and Remains Act 1958 or any other law have been exempted from the restrictions under this Act. Possible way around? One of the pertinent exemptions to the Places of Worship Act is if the the site falls under the Ancient Monuments and Archaeological Sites and Remains Act 1958. This means that if the place of worship of any religion is regarded as an ancient and historical monument or an archaeological site, it could be exempted from the Ambit of the Places of Worship Act. According to the ancient monuments and archaeological sites and Remains Act 1958, an ancient monument is any structure, erection or monument, or any tumulus or place of interment, or any cave, rock, sculpture, inscription or monolith which is of historical, archaeological or artistic interest and which has been in existence for not less than 100 years. As per the above definition, any monument or place of worship that is more than 100 years old could be deemed as an ancient monument under the law and thus automatically becomes exempt from the Places of Worship Act. Thus, for example, if the Archaeological Survey finds the existence of a Hindu temple structure inside the Gyanwapi compound, which would naturally be more than 100 years old, it could be declared an ancient monument under the Ancient Monuments in Archaeological Sites and Remains Act 1958 and therefore exempt from the Places of Worship Act. Ayodhya verdict Although in the 2019 Ayodhya verdict, the Constitution bench referred to the law and said it manifests the secular values of the Constitution and prohibits retrogression, several petitions have been filed in the Supreme Court against the Places of Worship Special Provisions 1991 Act by members of the Hindu community who wants the conversion of several mosques into temples across the country. It will now be interesting to see how the judiciary and the executive treat the law. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for the next one. Hello, friends. Welcome to the 5 Minute Legal to get your daily legal news updated. Starting with our first case for 6 June 2022. High Court's remark on conversion right raises questions. Elaborating, recent observations by the Delhi High Court that religious conversion, unless force, is not prohibited, raise a question if proselytism is also protected under the right to religious freedom in the constitution. A few days ago, the High Court, hearing a petition by advocate Ashwini Upadhyay to frame laws to prohibit conversions by force or deception, observed that, First and foremost, conversion is not prohibited. It is a right of an individual to profess any religion of his birth or religion that he chooses to profess. That is the freedom our Constitution grants. Article 25 sub-clause 1 of the Constitution says that, subject to public order, morality and health, all persons are equally entitled to freedom of conscience and the right to freely profess, practice and propagate religion. In the High Court, Mr. Padya had reportedly alleged mass conversions of of underprivileged people, particularly the scheduled castes and the scheduled tribes. Moving on to the second case for the day. Plea in Supreme Court challenges notification of Muslims, Christians, Sikhs, Buddhists, Parsis and Jains as minorities at national level seeks district-wise identification. Elaborating, a petition has been filed in the Supreme Court seeking directions to identify minorities at district level for the purposes of granting benefits under Article 29 and Article 30 of the Constitution. The petition seeks to declare the 1993 notification of the central government, declaring Muslims, Christians, Sikhs, Buddhists, Parsi and Jain as minority at national level is arbitrary, irrational and contrary to Articles 14, 15, 21, 29 and 30 of the Constitution. As per notification dated October 23, 1993, the Ministry of Welfare of Government of India had notified these five religions as minority com- communities in exercise of the power conferred by Section 2C of the National Commission for Minorities Act 1992. The PIL filed by Devkinandan Thakur also challenges the constitutional validity of Section 2C of the National Commission for Minorities Act 1992, which gives centre power to notify minorities. The petitioner states that Hindus are numerically less in certain states and regions, but they are not given the rights of minorities. It is stated that Hindus are 1% in Naldaag, 2.75% in Mizoram, 2.77% in Lakshadweep. in Kashmir, 8.74% in Nagaland, 11.52% in Meghalaya, 29% in Arunachal Pradesh, 38.49% in Punjab, 41.29% in Manipur, but the centre has not declared them a minority. Moving to the third case for the day. Magistrate can't refer defamation complaint to police for investigation under section 156, subsection 3 CRPC, even if other offences are also alleged, says the Karnataka High Court in the case of Divya and versus state of Karnataka and others. Elaborating, the Karnataka High Court has said the bar under Section 199 CRPC on a Magistrate from Exercising Powers under Section 156 Clause 3 of the Criminal Procedure Code on a complaint involving offences punishable under Section 500 of the Indian Penal Code would be applicable even in cases where offences are alleged for other offences in addition with Section 500 of the IPC. Section 199 stipulates that no court take cognizance of an offence, punishable under Chapter 21, defamation of IPC, except upon a complaint made by some person aggrieved by the offence. Moving on to the fourth and the last case for the day, Penalty can't be imposed without giving the opportunity of hearing to the taxpayer, says the Andhra Pradesh High Court in the case of SPY Agro Industries Limited vs Union of India. The Andhra Pradesh High Court has ruled that the GST penalty cannot be imposed without giving the taxpayer an opportunity of hearing. The division bench of justice C Praveen Kumar and justice V Sujatha has observed that any rectification under section 161 of the CGST Act which adversely affects any person is possible only after following the principles of natural justice. Thank you for listening stay tuned for the next one. Hello, friends, welcome to the 5 Minute Legal to get your daily legal news updated. 8 June 2022. Starting with our first news for the day Conviction cannot be passed solely on the testimony of a wholly unreliable witness, says the Supreme Court elaborating the supreme court observed that when the court finds that a witness is wholly unreliable neither conviction nor acquittal can be based on the testimony of such a witness in this case the trial court convicted mahendra singh pritam singh santosh shambhu singh and lakhan singh under section 158 302 read with section 149 of the indian penal code the madhya pradesh high court dismissed their appeals In appeal before the apex court, it was contended that Amol Singh could not have witnessed the incident and therefore the conviction which is based on his testimony is vitiated. This state opposed the appeal and contended that merely because a minor contradiction, inconsistency cropped up in the evidence of the witness, it cannot be a ground to disbelieve the truthfulness of the testimony of such a witness. Moving on to the second one for the day. Mismatch in blood transfusion leading to death of patient is medical negligence, says the NCDRC. The National Consumer Disputes Redressal Commission has reiterated that mismatch in blood transfusion resulting in death of a patient will amount to medical negligence. A bench of justice R.K. Agrawal, the president, and Dr. S.M. Kantikar, the member, therefore directed a Thiruvananthapuram-based private hospital to pay compensation of 20 lakh rupees along with 1 lakh rupees litigation cost to the family of a woman who died there in the year 2002. In the instant case, wrong blood transfusion to Sajina, the deceased, was an error which no hospital or doctor exercising ordinary care would have made. Such an error is not an error of professional judgment, but in the very nature of things, a sure instance of medical negligence, and the hospital's breach of duty contributed to her death. Thus, we have no hesitation to hold the opposite party number 1 hospital and 2 doctor responsible for blood transfusion, liable for deficiency in service and medical negligence, the NCDRC said its order. Moving on to the third one for the day. Anil Deshmukh seeks default bail citing incomplete charge sheet. Mumbai court issues notice to CBI. Elaborating former Maharashtra home minister Anil Deshmukh and his two associates have moved Mumbai court seeking default bail in the corruption case registered against them by the Central Bureau of Investigation the CBI the applicant states that the applicant has learned from media reports that only some 59-odd page charge sheet is filed in the present matter against the present applicant. The applicant submits that apparently an incomplete charge sheet is filed by the investigating agency against the applicant and hence the applicant is entitled to invoke the remedy or statutory bail, the plea said. On June 1st, the special CBI court allowed Waze's application to become an approver and he was granted pardon. In light of that development, Bayes is not arraigned as an accused in the case. The remaining three stand arraigned as accused in the case. Deshmukh is now in the judicial custody of the CBI court as also the special court under the PMLA. Moving on to the last one for the day, brown Rudnick elects Johnny Depp's lawyer, Camille Wesquise, to partnership. Elaborating in a press release on Tuesday, law firm Brown Rudnick announced that Camille Wesquist, who was part of Johnny Depp's legal team in the defamation case he brought against Amber Heard, has been elevated to partner. We are delighted to welcome Camille to the partnerships at William Baldiga, Chairman and CEO of Brown Rudnick. Historically, we have reserved this announcement for the end of our fiscal year. But Camille's performance during the Johnny Depp trial proved to the world that she was ready to take this next step now. We are incredibly proud of her and look forward to what she will accomplish as our newest partner. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for the next one. Hello, friends, welcome to the 5 Minute Legal to get your daily legal news updated. 15th June 2022, starting with our first case for the day: Ex-Judges' Right to SC against UP demolitions. I'll elaborate. Six former judges of the Supreme Court and various High Courts and six senior advocates have appealed to the Supreme Court to take suo-moto cognizance of the recent acts of bulldozing residences of those who protested in Prayagraj against the objectionable remarks made by certain BJP, BJP spokespersons. The petitions signed by Justices B. Sudarshan Reddy, V. Gopala Gowda, A.K. Ganguli, A.P. Shah, K. Chandru, and Muhammad Anbar, and veteran advocates Shanti Bhushan, Indira Jaising, Sriram Panchu, Prashant Bhushan, and Anand Grover cited reports of violence and repression by officials in Uttar Pradesh. They said that instead of giving protesters an opportunity of being heard, the administration sanctioned violent actions. The petition added that the Chief Minister had directed that the National Security Act of 1980 and the UP Gangsters and Anti-Social Activities Prevention Act 1986 be invoked against the protesters. Moving on to the second one, Delhi High Court rejects plea against call interception. Elaborating, the Delhi High Court has rejected a petition by a suspect in a corruption case who is seeking to quash an order, permitting the interception of his phone calls by the CBI. While rejecting the plea, the court observed that the law of the land weighs in the favour of public interest over individual interest. Justice Chandra Dhari Singh stated that the interception order passed by the Ministry of Home Affairs, as well as the interception carried out subsequently, were fair, reasonable and in accordance with the law. Mr. Kumar contended that the order was violative of his right to privacy. Moving on to the last one for the day, CBI arrests daughter of Himachal Pradesh High Court Acting Chief Justice Sabina in Sipi Sidhu murder case. Elaborating, the Central Bureau of Investigation has arrested Kalyani Singh, the daughter of Himachal Pradesh High Court Acting Chief Justice Sabina in the 2015 Sipi Sidhu murder case. Singh was produced before special judge Sukhdev Singh, who remanded her to four-day CBI custody, the report said. Sukhmanpreet Singh Sidhu, alias Sipi Sidhu, a national-level shooter and lawyer, was shot dead in September 2015 in Chandigarh Sector 27. A woman was accompanying Sidhu during the incident. The CBI had initially asked the person to come forward and give details, failing which it would be presumed that she had a role in the offence. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for the next one. Hello friends, welcome to the 5-minute legal to get your daily legal news updated. 27 June 2022, starting with the first case for the day. Not resisting rapists doesn't mean survivor consented to the act, Patna High Court says in the case of Islam Niyan, Muhammad Islam versus State of Bihar elaborating, in a significant ruling, the Patna High Court last week held that absence of a physical resistance on the part of a rape survivor does not mean that she consented to the act. The argument that the sex was consensual since there weren't any physical injuries on the survivor indicating absence of resistance was rejected by single judge, Justice A.M. Badar. Proviso clause of section 375 makes it clear that only because a woman does not physically resist to the act of penetration, it cannot be regarded as a consenting to the sexual activity," the judge said. Moving on to the second case for the day, Delhi High Court seeks response to woman's plea challenging constitutional validity of Talak e hasan Elaborating, the Delhi High Court has sought responses from the Delhi Police on a Muslim man after his wife filed a petition challenging a Talak e hasan notice allegedly sent by him talaq e hasan is the practice by which a Muslim man can divorce his wife by saying the word talaq once a month for three months consecutively. The plea pointed out that talaq e hasan is not only arbitrary, illegal, baseless and an abusive law, but also goes against Articles 15, 14, 21 and 25 of the Indian Constitution and United Nations Conventions. Moving on to the third case for the day. Patna High Court's first woman judge, Justice Indu Prabha Singh passes away. Elaborating, Justice Indu Prabha Singh, former judge of Patna High Court, who holds the distinction of being the first woman judge of the High Court, passed away. Justice Singh was appointed to the bench on July 10, 1990 and served as a judge of the Patna High Court for a total of 17 years until she demitted office in September 2007. Moving on to the fourth case for the day, rent controller cannot ask landlord to carry out repairs, says the High Court. Elaborating, Delhi High Court has proclaimed that tenants needs to satisfy at least three conditions before approaching the controller. There is no provision in the Delhi Rent Control Act under which the rent controllers, officers in charge of fixing standard rents of properties, can call upon a landlord to carry out repairs of the ten- tenanted premises, the Delhi High Court has observed. The code also said that the controller can permit the tenant to carry out the repairs and submit an estimate which it may call upon the landlord to disgorge. Moving on to the last case for the day. Inaction does not imply conspiracy, says the Supreme Court. Instances which overrun a state administration, like breakdown of law and order caused by spontaneous mass violence or the second wave of the pandemic, cannot be called the results of a larger conspiracy hatched at the highest level of political dispension, the Supreme Court judgment in the Zakia Zafri case has held. The court has said that a larger conspiracy cannot be readily inferred merely on the basis of the inaction or failure of the state administration for that sake. On the other hand, the state administration may have simply been overrun by the enormity of suddenness of events. The court pointed to the recent pandemic attack as an example. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for tomorrow's audio as well. Hello friends, welcome to the 5-Minute Legal to get your daily legal news updated. 1st July 2022, starting with the first case for the day, Arrested, accused, trial prisoners can be handcuffed only in extreme circumstances after recording reasons, Karnataka High Court said in the case of Supreet Ishwar Devet v. State of Karnataka, elaborating Justice Suraj Govindaraj of Karnataka said that a person arrested cannot normally be handcuffed. The order said, an accused who is arrested can normally not be handcuffed. It is only under extreme circumstances that handcuffing of an accused can be resorted to. When such handcuffing is made, the arresting officer is required to record the reasons for handcuffing, which would have to sustain the scrutiny of the court. The judge further held. While examining the issue, the single judge placed reliance on a judgment of the Bombay High Court in Sri Kasan versus State of Maharashtra, wherein it was opined that the principle of strict liability should be applied for unnecessary handcuffing of an accused. Moving to the second and the last case for the day, Maharashtra Crisis. Shiv Sena Chief Whip Sunil Prabhu moves Supreme Court for suspension of rebel MLAs elaborating chief whip Sena sunil prabhu moved the supreme court seeking suspension of 16 rebel members of the legislative assembly till the final adjudication of the disqualification proceedings initiated against them by the deputy speaker of maharashtra assembly The police said that the 10th schedule should not be rendered toothless by the ingenious device of sending a pre planned notice for removal of a speaker in order to preempt and thwart the 10th schedule proceedings. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for the next one. Hello, friends. Welcome to the 5 Minute Legal to get your daily legal news updated. 1st July 2022 Capital Punishment Capital Punishment, commonly known as the death penalty, is the execution of a convicted criminal sentenced to death by a court of law. The death penalty should be distinguished from extrajudicial executions carried out in violation of the law. The terms death penalty and capital punishment are commonly used interchangeably. However, pronouncement of the penalty is not necessarily followed by execution even when confirmed on appeal due to the possibility of reduction to life imprisonment. The phrase capital punishment refers to the harshest kind of punishment. The death penalty is the punishment for the most heinous, terrible, and disgusting acts against humanity. Despite the fact that the definition and scope of such offences varies from country to country, state to state, and age to age, capital punishment has always implied death penalty. Status in India Article 21 of the Indian Constitution guarantees everyone the fundamental right to life and liberty. It further states that no one shall be stripped of his right to liberty except in accordance with the legal procedure. This has been legally interpreted to suggest that if there is a fair and valid procedure, the state can deprive a person of his life by enacting a law. While the national government has continuously stated that the death penalty would remain on the books as a deterrent and for those who pose a threat to society, the Supreme Court has also supported the constitutional legitimacy of capital punishment in rarest of rare circumstances. The court system should give specific reasons before sending someone to the gallows. In India, since independence, around 752 individuals have been executed, and none of them are women. In the most recent case, four people were sentenced to death in a rape case on March 2020. The court orders capital punishment for the most severe crimes. Punishments include hanging. The Indian Penal Code and Criminal Procedure Code explain capital punishment. Since India's existence, capital punishment has been used rarely. The criteria to fulfil the rarest of rare case has been laid down by the top court in the landmark judgment in Bachchan Singh v. State of Punjab in the year of 1980. The Supreme Court established broad illustrative parameters and stated that it should be granted only when the possibility of granting a life sentence is unquestionably foreclosed. To reach this conclusion, the court was given complete authority. The Supreme Court, however, established the concept of evaluating, aggravating and mitigating circumstances. A balance sheet of aggravating and mitigating circumstances in a specific case must be created to determine whether justice would be served if any punishment less than the death penalty is imposed. The Supreme Court ruled that two major questions may be posed and answered. First, is there anything unusual about the crime that makes a life term in prison insufficient and necessitates the death penalty? Second, are the crime circumstances such that there is no other option than to inflict the death penalty even after giving maximum weightage to mitigating circumstances that speak in behalf of the violators? Procedure. After the completion of proceedings in trial court, the judge pronounces the judgment under section 235 of CRPC and the court must record the special reason justifying the judgment. After this, the case will go to high court for the evidence of the judgment. The high court can confirm the judgment or can give any new judgment or can order a new trial for the case. When High Court gives the evidence for the punishment, also a special leave petition could be filed. A petition seeking review of a judgment or order passed by the Supreme Court may be filed under Article 137 of the Constitution before the Supreme Court within 30 days from the date of similar judgment or or order. After the dismissal of special leave petition, the Supreme Court may allow a to petition to review its judgment. And lastly, Article 72 and Article 161 of the Constitution give power to the President of India and the Governor respectively to grant pardon and to suspend, remit or commute rulings in certain cases. The President or the Governor may consider the case of the convict and should pardon the death judgment. Case Laws Bachchan Singh v State of Punjab This case may be a corner judgment given by five judges bent to the Honorable Supreme Court. In this case, the Supreme Court pointed out some important limitations on the prosecution by setting the rarest of the rare doctrine. The Supreme Court said, a real and abiding concern for the quality of mortal life presuppositions, resistance to taking a life through law's machinery. That ought not to be done except in rarest of the rare cases where the choice opinion is clearly foreclosed. Mukesh and another versus NCT Delhi, on 5th May 2017, the Supreme Court rejected the convicts' appeal and saying that they had committed a barbaric crime that had shaken society's heart, the court upheld the death judgment of the four who had been charged within the murder. The verdict was well entered by the family of the victim and the civil society. Shabnam versus State of Uttar Pradesh, this case is a historical case because Shabnam will be the first woman after independence who has got the punishment of death penalty. Shabnam and Salim, both in their twenties also, were condemned of killing seven members of Shabnam's family. With all of them gone, Sri Rahabdinda the sole inheritor to the family property. They were arrested five days later. At that point, Shabnam was seven weeks pregnant. In December that time, she gave birth to her son, Muhammad Taj. He is presently living with Shabnam's council inferior, Usman Sefi, and his woman. In 2010, the Amroha Sessions court doomed them to death, which was upheld by the Allahabad High Court in 2013. In 2015, the Supreme Court observed that the end of the court is to serve the society and thus the convict's good gesture or good heart generally should not be the reason to swap a judgment. The crime mustn't be overlooked. Therefore, the court upheld the dead judgment on the ground that was a premeditated offence with scrupulous planning. CLEMENCY POWER if the Supreme Court rejects an appeal against capital penalty, a convicted prisoner may petition the President of India and the Governor of the state for mercy. The President and Governors have the authority under Articles 72 and 161 of the Constitution to issue pardons, reprieves, respites or remissions of punishment or to suspend, remit or commute the sentence of any person convicted of any offence. These are not personal powers of the holders of the office but are to be exercised under Articles 74 and 163 respectively, with the assistance and advice of the Council of Ministers. While clemency powers can be used for a variety of reasons and on a variety of times, they can serve as the last defence line against judicial error or miscarriage of justice. This plays a significant burden on those who wield this power and involves a complete application of intellect, inspection of judicial records, and wide-ranging inquiry in adjudicating a mercy petition, particularly one from a prisoner facing execution under a judicially confirmed death sentence. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for the next Hello friends, welcome to the 5-Minute Legal to get your daily legal news updated. 6 July 2022 Today's topic is Abortion Laws in India As the 1973 Roe vs Wade decision, which established abortion as a constitutional right, has been overruled by the U.S. Supreme Court, let's examine the abortion-related rights that are available for Indian women. Abortion is still a crime under Section 312 of the Indian Penal Code 1860. However, the Medical Termination of Pregnancy Act 1971 and its amendment only offer an exemption to criminality. The Medical Termination of Pregnancy Act 1971, talking about that for a minute, the Medical Termination of Pregnancy Act was enacted as as a result of advancements in medical science that made abortions safer. The decision to terminate a pregnancy is entirely circumstantial and cannot be a deliberate decision. According to the legislation section 3 of the MTP Act 1971, a doctor may only conduct an abortion if the patient's life would be endangered or her bodily or mental health would be negatively affected. The patient's circumstances must be taken into account for the doctor to determine only if the pregnancy would be harmful to the patient's mental health and if there is a strong likelihood that the kid would experience physical or mental abnormalities that would substantially impair him or her. If failure to use preventive measures led to pregnancy, but this is only applicable to married women, and if a rape or sexual assault led to the pregnancy, in these only it is permitted to terminate the pregnancy. Under this Act, if the pregnancy has not reached 12 weeks, just one doctor needs to be satisfied that the prerequisites have been completed. Two doctors must confirm that the requirements have been met if the pregnancy has lasted more than 12 weeks and is less than 20 weeks. If a doctor determines that an urgent abortion is necessary to preserve the patient's life, the gestational period does not matter. According to the law, a registered medical practitioner is required to make the decision about whether an abortion is necessary and to perform it to ensure that everyone has access to appropriate treatment the new medical termination of pregnancy amendment act 2021 expands access to safe and legal abortion services on humanitarian and social grounds when it comes to the opinion of a medical practitioner the opinion of a single registered medical practitioner about abortion of pregnancies with a gestational age of up to 20 weeks and the opinions of two rmps about the termination of pregnancy between 20 and 24 weeks is needed. If there are significant fetal abnormalities, the state-level medical board's approval is required before a pregnancy can be terminated after 24 weeks. This law raised the maximum gestation period for certain groups of women, including rape survivors, incest victims and other vulnerable women, such as differently-abled women and minors, from 20 to 24 weeks. This act's significant aspect is that it specifies the name and other particulars of a woman whose pregnancy has been terminated must not be revealed except to a person authorised by any law currently in effect. Landmark Cases The Supreme Court ruled in Suchita Srivastava v Chandigarh administration that a woman's freedom to choose her reproductive choices falls under the definition of personal liberty as defined by Article 21 of the Constitution. In this case, the Supreme Court ruled that it is crucial to acknowledge that reproductive choices can be used to have children or refrain from having children and that a woman's right to privacy, dignity and bodily integrity should be respected. This means that there should be no restrictions of any kind on the use of reproductive choices such as a woman's right to refuse to engage in sexual activity or alternatively the insistence that she has children. Significance The main tagline is my body, my choice." Abortion laws are crucial for expanding the scope of safe abortion services available to women and for ensuring their rights to privacy, autonomy, dignity, and justice. When decisions on abortion are made in accordance with human rights, scientifically valid principles, and technological advancements, they have a significant impact. Abortion laws are crucial because they influence the greater human rights framework and the welfare of the underprivileged and the voiceless. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for the next one. Hello friends, welcome to the 5-Minute Legal to get your daily legal news updated. 15 July 2022 Woman who willingly stayed with man can't lodge rape case when relationship turns sour, says the Supreme Court in the case of Anser Mohammed v. State of Rajasthan. Elaborating, the bench of Justices Hemant Gupta and Vikram Nath therefore granted anticipatory bail to one Ansar Muhammad accused of rape, unnatural offences and criminal intimidation. The complainant has willingly been staying with the appellant and had the relationship. Therefore, now if the relationship is not working out, the same cannot be a ground for lodging an FIR for the offence under Section 376, Subsection 2 NIPC, the order said. Moving on to the next one, Domain name registrars should create mechanism for removing infringing domains, says the Delhi High Court in the case of Snapdeal Private Limited vs. GoDaddy, Com, LLC, and others. Elaborating, Justice Pratibha M. Singh directed 32 DNRs to file an affidavit explaining whether an independent and impartial mechanism can be put in place by them to prevent the abuse of trademarks. The affidavit should also disclose if the privacy protection features of these infringing domains can be disabled so that the details of the registering person can be made available on the WHO's database, the court said. Justice Singh said that the mechanism ought to be an independent one, like an Ubansman, so that the objections raised by the trademark owners are fairly considered. Moving to the next one. We'll have to continue a special court if every day you file a PIL, says the CGI to Ashwini Upadhyay. The Supreme Court on Thursday turned down a request made by serial uh, PIL litigant Ashwini Upadhyay seeking urgent listing for a writ petition seeking common dress code in all schools. Upadhyay had mentioned the petition filed by his son, seeking it to be listed along with the hijab case matters next week. CJI Ramana expressed disinclination to Padhya's plea by saying that we'll have to constitute a special court for your PILs and further said that everything cannot be brought up under PIL. Moving to the next one, if our children can attend the school at 7pm, why can't we come to court at 9? Justice Lalit's bench commences its sitting at 9am. Elaborating, a Supreme Court bench comprising Justices U.U. Lalit, S. Ravindra Bhatt and Sudhanshu Dhulia commenced its sitting at 9.30 a.m. today, one hour before the regular sitting time of the benches. Senior Advocate Mukul Rothagi, after appearing in a matter, lauded this time arrangement and commented that it is more convenient. If our children can go to school at 7, why can't we come to court at 9? Justice Lalit replied. Moving to the next case. Patiala House Court grants bail to Alt News co-founder Mohammad Zubair in Delhi Police FIR. Elaborating, a Delhi court on Friday granted bail to Alt News co-founder Mohammad Zubair, who has been booked by the Delhi Police for promoting enmity among religious groups through his tweets and for violations of the Foreign Contribution Act 2010. He was initially booked for offences under Section 153A, promoting enmity between religious groups, and 295, injuring or defiling place of worship with intent to insult the religion of any class of the Indian Penal Code. Moving to the last case for the day, Central Government to regulate digital news revives Registration of Press and Periodicals Bill. The Union Ministry of Information and Broadcasting has started the process to amend the Registration of Press and Periodicals Bill 2019 to include news on digital media. The bill will replace the British-era Press and Registration of Books Act that regulates newspapers and printing presses in India, and will be the first regulation on digital news media. As per reports, the bill is yet to be approved by the Prime Minister's office and other stakeholders. The bill is likely to be tabled during the upcoming monsoon session of Parliament, which commences on July 18th. Thank you for listening, stay tuned for the next one. Hello friends, welcome to the 5-Minute Legal to get your daily legal news updated. 20 July 2022, starting with a first case for the day, Supreme Court stays Karnataka High Court judgment allowing prosecution of man for rape of wife in the case of Rishikesh Sahu v. State of Karnataka. Elaborating, a Supreme Court bench of Chief Justice of India N.V. Ramana and Justices Krishna Murari and Hima Kohli stayed a March 23 judgment of the Karnataka High Court, which had declined to quash the charge of rape framed under under Section 376 of the Indian Penal Code against a man accused of raping and keeping his wife as a sex slave. The single judge of the High Court refused to quash the charges framed against the petitioner, observing that men have been donning the robes of husband for ages to use their wife as his chattel, but this age-old thought and tradition that the husbands are the rulers of their wives, their body, mind, and soul should be effaced. Second case for the day Section 161 CRPC statements relevant while determining prima facie case against accused during bail hearing, says the Supreme High Court in the case of Indresh Kumar v. State of Uttar Pradesh and another. Elaborating, the Supreme Court's bench comprising Justices Indira ben- Banerjee and V. Rama subramanian observed that statements made under Section 161 of Code of Criminal Procedure are relevant in considering the prima facie case against an accused in an application for grant of bail in case of grave offence. The court also noted that the bail was granted without considering the heinous nature of the allegations against him, the gravity of the offence alleged, and the severity of the punishment in the event of ultimate conviction only because a co-accused had also been granted bail. Moving on to the third case, police not authorised to suspend driving licence of any citizen, says the Calcutta High Court in the case of Priyasha Bhattacharya v. State of West Bengal. Elaborating, Single Judge Justice Moshumi Bhattacharya said that only the licensing authority is empowered to issue and suspend the driving license. The court was seized of a plea filed by the petitioner challenging the suspension of her license by the Assistant Commissioner of Police, Cal- Kolkata, on May 20, 2022, for overspeeding. The police suspended her license on the ground that she was driving at the speed of 60 km per hour on a road which permitted speed of 30 km per hour. However, the court said that since it has come to a conclusion that the police doesn't have powers to suspend the license of a person, it therefore quashed the orders passed by the ACP Kolkata who suspended license of the petitioner. Moving on to the last case for the day forcing pregnancy would permanently scar her side, Delhi High Court permits minor rape survivor to terminate 26 weeks' pregnancy. Elaborating, the Delhi High Court has permitted a minor victim of sexual assault to terminate her pregnancy of 25 weeks and 6 days old pregnancy. Justice Yashwant Verma, while noting that the Medical Termination of Pregnancy Act deals with pregnancy which may only extend up to 24 weeks, highlighted that in exceptional situations, the court could invoke its extraordinary powers to permit for such termination even when the provisions of the Act, when strictly construed, may not sanction the same. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for the next one. Hello friends, welcome to the 5-Minute Legal to get your daily legal news updated. 22nd July 2022 Starting with our first case for the day, Kerala High Court allows 13-year-old impregnated by sibling to terminate 30-week pregnancy, flags lack of sex education, easy access to porn. Elaborating, Justice V. G. Arun of Kerala High Court flagged the lack of proper sex education and easy access to porn as factors contributing to rising teen pregnancies while allowing a 13-year-old girl to terminate a 30-week pregnancy. In my opinion, it is time for the authorities to take a re-look at the sexual education being imparted in our schools. The easy availability of porn on the internet can mislead the juvenile mind of youngsters and can give them wrong ideas. Educating our children about the safe use of the internet and social media is absolutely essential," says the court in its order. Moving on to the second case for the day. Only Supreme Court can hear disputes on presidential polls, says the Delhi High Court, rejecting the plea to disqualify jailed MPs or MLAs from voting in the case of Satvir Singh vs Union of India and another. Elaborating, the court held that Article 71 Clause 1 of the Constitution as well as the Presidential and Vice-Presidential Elections Act 1952 categorically provides that the only remedy in relation to a presidential election can be by way of an election petition after declaration of the result and it is the exclusive jurisdiction of the Supreme Court to hear such matters. All doubts and disputes relating to the elections of President or Vice-President of India can be inquired into or decided only by the Supreme Court," the court said. Moving on to the last case for the day, corruption in judiciary has been addressed by judiciary itself, says the law minister Kiran Rijidu. Elaborating, the law minister explained that accountability in higher judiciary is maintained through an in-house procedure adopted by the Supreme Court in its full court meeting held on May 7, 1997. The issue of checking corruption in the judiciary is to be addressed by the judiciary itself, as it is an independent organ under the Indian Constitution, stated Vijayadu. The law minister further informed that the chief justices of the High Courts are competent to receive complaints against the conduct of High Court judges. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for the next one. Hello friends. Welcome to the 5-Minute Legal to get your daily legal news updated. 27 July 2022. Today's topic is about Draft National Policy on Persons with Disabilities. Introducing a Draft National Policy for Persons with Disabilities. Divyang Jan 2021 was issued by the Department of Empowerment of Persons with Disabilities, which is part of the Ministry of Social Justice and Empowerment, Government of India. National policy on disability India's first national policy for disabilities was approved in 2006 The Indian government established a committee in 2019 to write the policy, which was then finalised in October 2021 in accordance with its commitment to align all of its laws and policies with the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. The draft was prepared by a committee under the direction of Anjali Bhaura, Secretary of the Department of Empowerment of PWD. 11 of the committee's 15 members were headquartered in Delhi, raising the question of whether the exercise was intended to produce a Delhi state policy or a national policy that acknowledged the diversity of the country. The lack of representation and improper stakeholder input sparked outrage from the Disability Committee and last month the government released the draft policy to the public. Comments may be made until July 9th. Provisions in the present policy would be according to the draft the Health Ministry's present national program on disability prevention focuses on traditional causes, but there are many other causes of disability, including malnutrition, medical negligence, socio cultural issues, and impairment brought on by disasters. The list of disabilities was increased from 7 to 21 by the Rights of Persons with Disabilities Act 2016 as well. The proposed strategy called for a thorough national preventive program that would cover the disabilities included by the RPD Act as well as other illnesses that have a high chance of developing into disabilities. According to the proposal, if impairments in children were identified early enough, one-third of them might be avoided. The policy stated that when providing authorization or recognition to educational institutions, the states and union territories should include a clause requiring conformity with the RPD Act. It is recommended that MBBS and other medical courses include a disability section. There are 14 chapters in the policy. Important provisions include... Ensuring that handicapped persons are not contacted for disability certification more than twice. District hospitals have sign language interpreting services. The development of disability competencies through training only for medical personnel. Specialized sports facilities, making accessible to disabled person movie theatres, museums and tourism destinations. Guidelines for personal vehicle modification maintaining records of offences against individuals with disabilities, indigenation of motorised wheelchairs and preservation of year-wise records of employees with disabilities. Criticism: The proposed national policy has received criticism for a number of reasons even though it is in accordance with international norms and standards. The inter-ministerial coordination of the policy is absent. It does not align with the most recent draft on healthcare accessibility criteria from the Union Health Ministry. The Bureau of Indian Standards Act and the Union Finance Ministry's 2017 manual for procurement of goods both do not include accessibility standards for goods and services. It does nothing to ensure that legislation and procedures governing public procurement of products and services take accessibility considerations into account. Regarding the abolition of all forms of guardianship that have an impact on people who are deaf, blind, have intellectual impairments, or have psychological issues, the policy remains quiet. A national suicide prevention plan, an insurance-based discrimination ban, and high support needs are not addressed by the policy. The proposal does not provide for an increase in the center's monthly contribution to the disability pension, which now stands at 300 rupees. Although the draft policy acknowledges the link between poverty and disability, the statement points out that no specific strategies for reducing poverty have been proposed. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for our next newscast. Hello friends, welcome to the 5-Minute Legal to get your daily legal news updated. 29 July 2022, starting with our first case for the day. Delhi High Court seeks Delhi Police Response on Sharjeel Imam Bail Plea in Sedition Case. Elaborating, the case pertains to Imam's allegedly inflammatory speech at Jamia Millia Islamia in December 2019 in relation to the protests against the Citizenship Amendment Act. The Delhi High Court on Friday issued notice to Delhi Police on JNU student Sherjeel Imam's appeal against a lower court order denying him interim bail in a sedition case. A division bench of Justices Mukta Gupta and Anish Dayal issued notices on Imam's plea against the court's refusal to stay the trial in the case. Moving on to the second case for the day, Delhi High Court directs Congress Jairam Ramesh Pawan Khera, Net- Neta D'Souza to remove social media posts against Smriti Rani, daughter. The Delhi High Court on Friday ordered Congress leaders Jairam Ramesh, Pawan Khera, and Neta D'Souza to remove defamatory material on social media against Union Minister Smriti Rani and her daughter in relation to the recent controversy surrounding the latter's restaurant and bar in Goa. The court therefore granted an interim injunction directing defendants to delete and remove the allegations made during the press conference from all social media platforms including YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Instagram, and Twitter. If the defendants fail to comply with the directions, within 24 hours of this order, defendants 4-6 to six social media platforms should take down the material. The court made it clear. Moving on to the third case for the day. Mother has right to give stepfather surname to child after demise of biological father, says the Supreme Court in the case of Akela Lalita versus Konda Rao and others. Elaborating, the Supreme Court's division bench of Justices Dinesh Maheshwari and Krishna Murari set aside the direction of the Andhra Pradesh High Court to a mother to restore her child's original surname from his stepfather's surname. The bench also said, the mother, being the only natural guardian of the child, has the right to decide the surname of the child. She also has the right to give the child up for adoption. The instant case dealt with a custody battle between appellant mother and the paternal grandparents of the child, who in 2008 sought for the child's custody under the Guardians and Wards Act after the mother remarried. In each stage, every court has denied the custody of the child to grandparents with limited visitation rights. Moving on to the last and the final case for today. Sentencing cannot be on the same day. Supreme Court issues notice in Bihar Pokso Judge Appeal against suspension. The Supreme Court issued notice in an appeal filed by a district judge from Bihar challenging his suspension by the Patna High Court. Additional sessions Judge at Araria Shashikant Rai was suspended for, among other reasons, convicting and sentencing a man to life imprisonment for sexual assault of a minor after having heard the case for one day and for issuing a death sentence after hearing a case for four days. When the matter was heard today, the bench of justices UU Lalit and S. Ravindra bhat said, you have heard and sentenced accused to life imprisonment in a single day. It does not happen like this. Pendency is one issue and approach to a matter is a different issue. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for the next one. Hello friends, welcome to the 5-Minute Legal to get your daily legal news updated. 1st August 2022, starting with our first case for the second half of the year. They got monetary benefits from one political faction to defame Gujarat government. Gujarat court denies bail to Teesta Setarwad and R.B. Srikumar. A Gujarat court on Saturday denied bail to activist Sista Saitalwad and former ADGP R.B. Srikumar arrested in a case of fabrication of evidence in relation to 2002 Gujarat riots larger conspiracy case. The duo was arrested after the APEX court ratified the clean chit to Prime Minister Narendra Modi, then Chief Minister of Gujarat, in the 2002 riots case. Moving on to the second case for the day, Kerala High Court grants bail to tuition teacher accused of sexually assaulting minor boy for eight years. The Kerala High Court on Wednesday released on bail a man accused of sexually assaulting his student over a span of eight years, finding that he had been in judicial custody for over a month. Justice Becho Kurian-Thomas observed that although prima facie there was evidence showing that the petitioner was involved in the crime, his continued incarceration was not necessary for the case. Moving on to the next case, we judges are also human. Supreme Court urges government to allow disability pension to Kargil war veteran discharged due to alcohol dependency in the case of Union of India versus Naginder Singh. Elaborating, the Supreme Court bench consisting of Justices D.Y. Chandrachid and Sudan Dhulia urged the central government to consider grant of disability pension to a soldier who was discharged on disciplinary grounds due to alcohol dependency. The bench said that while there might be a strong case against grant of pension, a humanitarian view needs to be taken, particularly when it comes to soldiers who served in the front. Moving to the fourth case for the day. Industrial tribunal order cannot be challenged on question of fact under Article 226, Jammu and Kashmir and Ladakh High Court, in the case of Manu Mohit Industries v. State of j and others. Elaborating, Single Judge Justice Wasim Sadiq Nargal of Jammu and Kashmir and Ladakh said that an industrial tribunal or labor court exercises powers similar to the jurisdiction of a civil court and that the orders passed by a civil court can only be challenged before the High Court by way of a writ petition under Article 227 of the Constitution of India. Only if, in addition to the correctness of the award, the petitioner seeks to challenge the virus of any other provision of Industrial Disputes Act or of any other provision of the very jurisdiction of the Labour Court to pass the award, or on the ground that same has suffered from error or law apparent on the face of record, does it need to be considered that powers under Article 226 has been invoked, the Court made it clear. Moving on to the second-last case for the day, Mumbai court remands Shiv Sena MP Sanjay Roth to ED custody till August 4 in money laundering case. Elaborating, a Mumbai court on Monday remanded Shiv Sena Member of Parliament Sanjay Roth to Enforcement Directorate ED custody till August 4 in a money laundering case. Judge MG Deshpande turned down the request by Enforcement Directorate for eight-day custody and instead said that custody up till August 4 would suffice. In April, the ED provisionally attached assets worth over 11.15 crore rupees of Roth's wife Varsha Roth and two of his associates as part of this investigation. Moving on to the final case for the day petitions against rem- renaming Aurangabad, Usmanabad can wait Bombay High Court. Elaborating, the Bombay High Court on Monday declined to grant urgent hearing to two petitions against the Maharashtra government's decision to rename the cities of Aurangabad and Usmanabad. When advocate SB Talikar urged the court to list the matter on priority, a division bench of Justices PB Varle and KC Sun said there is no urgency in the matter and kind the request Aurangabad is slated to be named Chhatrapati Sambhajinagar while Osmanabad is proposed to be named Dharashir. Thank you for listening stay tuned for the next one Hello friends, welcome to the 5-Minute Legal to get your daily legal news updated. 5th August 2022, starting with the first case for the day. Passenger may be prosecuted for motor accident caused by drunk driver, says the Madras High Court. The Madras High Court recently held that a co-passenger in a vehicle involved in motor accident caused by a drunk driver can be prosecuted for instigation and culpable homicide not amounting to murder under Section 304, Subsection 2 of ITC, Justice Bharta Chakravarti held that the co-passengers could not escape liability by merely claiming that they were merely sitting in the passenger seat and were not behind the wheels. Moving on to the second case for the day. Even convicts have right to pursue studies, take exams from jail. A Labad High Court bats for allowing a rusticated law student to complete studies. Essentially, the bench of Justice Neeraj Tabari was dealing with a plea filed by a student of Aligarh Muslim University, Adil Khan, who appeared in the 7th semester examination, but the result of the said semester was not declared and in the meantime, he was rusticated by the university uh, for a period of five years five years on charge of indiscipline. Moving to the third case for the day, civil court lacks jurisdiction to decide on person citizenship. Only central government can determine, says the Gujarat High Court in the case of Akil Valibai Piplodwala versus Central Government. The single bench of Gujarat High Court said that there is no iota of doubt that as per subsection 2 of section 9 of the Citizenship Act 1955, read with section 40 along with Schedule 3 of the Citizenship Rules 2009, the said question can exclusively be tried by the central government. The single judge also noted that the question as to whether a civil court has jurisdiction to entertain a suit seeking declaration under the Indian Citizenship Act had already been settled by the Supreme Court in state of U.P. vs. Shah Muhammad. Moving on to the fourth case for the day, right to cross-examine witness cannot be denied, citing failure to deposit interim compensation, says the Supreme Court in the case of Noor Muhammad vs. Khuram Pasha. Before the three judges' bench of Supreme Court consisting of Justices U.U. Lalit, S. Ravindra Bhat, and Sudhanshu Dhulia, the appellant argued that through the order of interim compensation in terms of Section 143A of the NI Act is not complied with, the amount can be recovered in terms of Subsection 5 of Section 143A, but it would not be within the competence of the court to deprive an accused of his right to cross-examine a witness. The court argued with the submissions of the appellant and took the view that the provision of Section 143 of the NI Act nowhere contemplates that an accused who fails to deposit interim compensation could be fastened with any other disability, including denial of right to cross-examine the witnesses examined on behalf of the complainant. Moving on to the fifth case for the day, Kerala High Court Judge Justice Sophie Thomas recuses from hearing election petition since she voted from same constituency. Justice Sophie Thomas of the Kerala High Court on Friday recused herself from hearing a petition moved by CPI leader M Swaraj challenging the election of Congress leader K. Babu from Thirupunitra constituency in the 2021 assembly elections. In this case, I want to recuse myself since I was also a voter in this election from Thirupunitra constituency. So I'm addressing the Chief Justice and placing the file before him, Justice Thomas said. The matter will be placed before the Chief Justice so that he can reassign the case as per the roster. Moving on to the last case for the day, Supreme Court grants Zee News Editor protection from arrest in FIRs for show on Rahul Gandhi. The Supreme Court on Friday granted a Zee News Editor, Rajneesh Ahuja, protection from arrest in connection with the first information reports registered against him for broadcasting a false news report, claiming that Congress leader Rahul Gandhi condoned the recent killing of a man in Udaipur. The bench of Justices, D Y Chandrachud and J.P. Pardiwala issued notice in the plea filed by the editor and directed the registry to tag it with the petition filed by anchor Rohit Ranjan. It stated, there shall be no coercive action against the editor with respect to the FIRs registered or the future ones. Issue notice to State of Rajasthan, State of Chhattisgarh and Union of India. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for the next one. Hello friends, welcome to the 5 minute legal to get your daily legal news updated, starting with our case for the day on Radha Basan vs Union of India. After the special status accorded to Jammu and Kashmir under Article 370 was revoked in August 2019, the central government shut down all forms of communication. Services were eventually partially restored. However, 2G internet was still only available. In light of the COVID-19 issue, the Foundation for Media Professionals filed a petition demanding the restoration of high-speed internet in Jammu and Kashmir. Facts and issues The President of India issued Constitutional Order 272, which implements the entire Indian constitution in the state of Jammu and Kashmir. The DMs of the several districts used the authority granted to them by Section 144 of the Code of Criminal Procedure, which limited public gatherings and movement where there was a probability of a breach of peace and order. The petitioner complained that restrictions on journalists' freedom of movement and communication made it difficult for media professionals to carry out their jobs. They requested the issuance of a proper writ to revoke any orders made by the respondent that prohibited any form of communication, allowing the media to carry out its work while requesting that the respondent create a secure environment for journalists to work in. In light of the COVID-19 situation, a petition was submitted by the Foundation for Media Professionals calling for the restoration of high-speed Internet in Jammu and Kashmir. The issue in the case is that the freedom of speech and expression, the right to practice any profession, and the right to conduct any trade activity or business on the Internet are all established in Part 3 of the Indian Constitution's List of Fundamental Rights. Is it legal for the government to forbid Internet use in the state? The judgment was as followed. According to the decision, the 2017 Temporary Suspension of Telecom Services Public Emergency or Public Service Rules do not permit the permanent suspension of Internet access. That suspension is only valid for a short period of time. Judicial review is available for every suspension order made in accordance with the suspension regulations. The court refrained from stating that it is a basic right to have access to the internet. Instead, the case law body that has laid the road for defending basic rights over the internet was the focus of the ruling. It was held that Articles 191A and 191G of the Constitution safeguard the freedom of speech and expression as well as the right to exercise any profession or run any activity, trade or company online. The court requested that the government respect media freedom by giving them a secure environment free from any Im- proper pressure to operate. Significance of the judgment The verdict was regarded as a historic decision and a win for free expression by the media and by Internet users. Although the judgment inaccurately said that it upheld access to the Internet as a basic right, it offers some promise, though not concrete solutions. In later cases, it could be decided that having access to the internet is a basic right, since in today's interconnected world, not having access to the internet obviously deprives people of a variety of new possibilities, knowledge and other things. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for the next one. Hello friends, welcome to the 5-Minute Legal to get your daily legal news updated. 17th August 2022, starting with a case for the day, K.A. Najeeb versus Union of India. In this case, the Supreme Court passed a significant decision on granting bail in cases under the Unlawful Activities Prevention Act, which we will further refer as UAPA Act. The court ruled that to uphold the right to a speedy trial provided by Article 21 of the Constitution, any constitutional court has the authority to issue bail to individuals accused of offences under UAPA regardless of Section 43D. Facts of the case are as follows. K.A. Najib was one of the co-accused along with other members of the Popular Front of India. He is accused of taking part in a 2010 incident in which a gang removed a Malayalam professor's hand and threw explosives at bystanders. The attackers thought the professor's college exam question was disrespectful and insulted Prophet Muhammad. Najib was arrested in 2015 five years after escaping the law. Between 2016 and 2021, his bail requests were consistently turned down. After four years as an undertrial prisoner, the Kerala High Court finally granted him bail. The National Investigative Agency Act of 2008's requirement for a timely trial was not abided. The state argued that the High Court erred in giving Najib bail in its appeal to the Supreme Court. The issues in the case are in a violation of Article 21, override UAPA section 43, subsection D, Subsection 5's requirements. Whether the court can deny bail if the accused is presumed guilty, is it permissible to appeal the court's decision to grant bail without providing any special grounds? The ruling was as follows. The Supreme Court held that it can only intervene in a lower court's bail decision under cogent and overwhelming circumstances, and acknowledge its limited authority to reverse a lower court's release ruling. The court considered whether the Kerala High Court was justified in awarding Najib bail in this situation, and if so, if there were sufficient grounds to reverse the decision. The five and a half years Najib was in, where, where he was in prison while awaiting trial became a significant issue. The court held that gross delay in a trial infringes the right to life and personal liberty under Article 21. A breach of a basic right could provide justification for granting bail. Even though the issue is covered by strict criminal laws such as anti-terror statutes, a protracted trial delay makes bail necessary. The code appears to have sought a of balance between security concerns raised by anti terror measures and individual freedom. Strict bail requirements would be overridden and would now be a justification for granting bail rather than an unjustified trial delay. The conclusion of this is as follows. According to section 43d5 of UAPA, K.A. Najib has the opportunity to clarify any injustice brought on by severe bail conditions. However, this potential can only be achieved if the judgment is used with integrity. In this case, the court relied on two factors, the time spent in jail while the case was pending, and the amount of time left before the trial ended to determine whether the right to a speedy trial had been violated. But it gave no indication of any guiding principles for resolving other cases. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next one. Hello friends, welcome to the 5-Minute Legal to get your daily legal news updated. 19th August 2022, starting with our first case for the day. Bombay High Court grants bail to man whose voice samples were recorded in violation of Supreme Court guidelines in the case of Saurabh Raju Rajendra Dage versus the State of Maharashtra. Justice Prithvirat Chavan of Bombay High Court observed that the accused was made to read from text that was inculpatory in nature in violation of the guidelines laid down by the Supreme Court in Sudhir Chaudhary and others versus State. The court was hearing a bail application filed by a man who was arrested for committing offences punishable under Section 302 murder and 201 causing disappearance of evidence. Moving on to the next case for the day. Kerala High Court allows termination of 28 week pregnancy of 14 year old rape survivor. Elaborating, Justice V. G. Arun of Kerala High Court passed the order after noting that a medical board had recommended uh, termination as the anguish caused by the continuation of pregnancy can be presumed to cause a grave injury to the mental health of a 14-year-old unmarried girl. Under the Medical Termination of Pregnancy MTP Act 1971 the maximum permissible gestational period until which termination can be conducted is 24 weeks however section 3 clause 2 subsection b allows abortion beyond 24 weeks for certain categories such as survivors of sexual assault or rape or incest as also minors Moving on to the third case for the day, Shamshera Movie Copyright Case, Delhi High Court allows OTT release subject to deposit 1 crore with registry in the case of Bikramjeet Singh Bullard versus Ra- Yash Raj Films Private Limited. The Delhi High Court on Thursday allowed the release of Ranbir Kapoor's starer movie Shamshera on over-the-top platform subject to its producer Yashraj Films Private Limited depositing a sum of 1 crore rupees with the court registry. The movie is set to release on OTT platforms on August 19, Friday. Single judge Justice Jyoti Singh has said if the producer fails to deposit the money by August 22, an injunction will operate against further telecast of the movie from the very next day. Moving on to the last case for the day. Madras High Court directs installation of portrait of Dr. B.R. Ambedkar in all government law colleges in Tamil Nadu. Elaborating, the Madurai bench of the Madras High Court has ordered that the portrait of Dr. B.R. Ambedkar be installed in all government law colleges in Tamil Nadu. The order was passed by Justice G. R. Swaminathan while dealing with a plea by a scheduled caste student who sought quashing of disciplinary proceedings initiated against him by college authorities after he allegedly got into a tiff with the authorities over non installation of the portrait of Dr. Ambedkar in the office room of the college principal. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next legal news. hello friends welcome to the five minute legal to get your new newscast today on contract law part one 22nd august 2022 starting with the introduction we engage in contract every day sometimes knowingly sometimes unknowingly have you ever wanted to understand its aspects so a contract is an agreement enforceable by law an agreement is formed when a promise is combined with a consideration A promise is when a proposal is accepted, so every contract is an agreement, but every agreement is not a contract. So the conditions for a contract are as follows, consideration, to do or not to do something in exchange of the promise, which is also called as quid pro quo. The parties must be competent, that is they should be above 18 years of age and not declared disabled by competent court. The party should not be forced to enter into a contract. They have to give their consent free from any coercion or undue influence. The object or subject matter of the contract should be lawful. The agreement should not be created for an illegal purpose. What is a proposal? It is the expression of the offeror's willingness to do or abstain from doing something with a view to obtaining the assent of the offering. The person who makes the proposal is known as the promisor or offeror. The person to whom it is made is known as a proposee or offeree. And when he accepts the proposal, he becomes a promisee. What's the communication of proposal? The communication of proposal becomes complete when it is brought to the knowledge of the person to whom it is made. The communication can be made in any way which is the effect of laying before the offeree the willingness to do or abstain. It can be expressed or implied. One of the case laws in this is Lalman Shukla versus Gauri Dutt in 1913. The nephew of the respondent absconded. The appellant, being the servant, was ordered to look for him. In the meantime, handbills were offered to pay money to whoever found the boy. The servant came to know about the offer, but he had already traced the boy and brought him back. He brought an action, but failed. The court held that in order to constitute a contract, acceptance of offer is must, and no acceptance can be there unless there is knowledge at of the offer thank you so much for listening stay tuned for the next one hello friends welcome to the five minute legal to get your daily legal news updated 26th august 2022 starting with our first case for the day. I am sorry, CGI-NV Ramana apologizes for not paying requisite attention to issue of listing of cases. Elaborating, outgoing CGI Ramana said that pendency of cases is a challenge faced by courts in the country, but he added that Indian judiciary cannot be defined or judged by one single order or judgment. He further said that the credibility of the institution should be protected by the officers of the court and unless the credibility of the institution is intact, it cannot command respect from the people in the society. To deal with pendency, he said that the functioning of the system has to be reformed and modern technology will have to be deployed. Moving on to the second case for the day. Freebies by political parties. Supreme Court orders listing of case before three-judge bench will re-examine Subramanian Balaji ruling in the case of Ashwini Upadhyay versus Union of India and others. So the Supreme Court bench led by outgoing Chief Justice of India N V Ramana and Justices Hima Kohli and C T Ravi Kumar said that the top court's twenty thirteen judgement in Subrammy Balaji versus Government of Tamil Nadu might need reconsideration. In this case, the Court had held that promises made by political parties in the election manifesto would not amount to corrupt practices as per Section 123 of the Representation of People Act. The Court also noted in its order the following issues raised by various parties which might require consideration by the Court, like what is the scope of judicial intervention, can the court pass any enforceable order? What should be the composition of the committee? Moving on to the third case for the day, DNA tests not sufficient to prove marriage, domestic relationship under DV Act, Kerala High Court. Justice Cosser Edhapagath held that even if a DNA test is conducted and paternity is proved, that alone is not enough to prove a domestic relationship or marriage and other evidence will have to be adduced to prove the same. The court was hearing a petition moved by a woman challenging the order of a judicial first-class magistrate who had held that since there is no domestic relationship between the parties, the petitioner is not an agreed person as defined under Section 2 Clause D of the DV Act and hence the petition is not maintainable. The court said that even if a DNA test is conducted and paternity is proved, that would not help the petitioner to prove the so-called marriage or domestic relationship. The court therefore upheld the trial court order and rejected the prayer of the petitioner to conduct DNA tests. Moving on to the last case for the day, sexual abuse of children has become more prevalent. There should be a social movement against it, says the Madras High Court in the case of Narayanan v State. The court was hearing an appeal against the judgment of a Sessions Court sentencing a man to life imprisonment for sexually abusing five children who were all under the age of nine, one being just three years old. Further, the defence of the appellant that the doctor did not find any injuries on the children was rejected given that the children may not have resisted, oblivious of what was happening to them. In fact, it was highlighted that the children were threatened that they would be pushed down from the first floor. Mere absence of physical injury does not rule out the sexual acts of the appellant. The other effects cannot be assessed by physical examination, the court added. Therefore, it was concluded that there was simply a case of sexual adventure of an old pedophile. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for the next one. Hello friends, welcome to the 5-Minute Legal to get your daily legal news updated. 5th September 2022, starting with our first case for the day. Customary divorce valid under Hindu Marriage Act if custom is proved and not against public policy, says the Chhattisgarh High Court in the case of Duleshwar Deshmukh versus Kirtilata Deshmukh. A division bench of Chhattisgarh High Court of Justices Gautam Baduri and Radha Agarwal held that subsection 2 of section 29 of the Hindu Marriage Act 1995 allows divorce by way of customs prevailing in the society and the same would be upheld if the custom is proved and is not against public policy. The court was hearing a plea filed by a husband challenging the decision of a lower court, pronounced on May 13, 2016, refusing to recognise the customary divorce agreement by the name Chhod Chutti that the couple signed in 1994. Moving on to the second case for the day, SC dismisses plea to direct UOI to put out information regarding loss of territory along the China border. Elaborating on the same, the Supreme Court of India denied a petition asking the court to require the Union of India to publish information on the extent of area lost along the Chinese border, whether it has occurred or not. A bench made up of Justice Ravendra Bhatt and Chief Justice Yu Yu Lalit heard the case. The petitioner's attorney opened by stating that they had been fighting in the Galwan Valley on the nights of June 14 and 15, 2020, and that the official line from India following the fight was that it had not lost any land. Chief Justice UU Lalit made it clear right away that the issue related to state policy should not be brought before the court. Moving on to the third case for the day, Supreme Court issues notice on plea to ban political parties using religious names and symbols. Elaborating, on Monday, the Supreme Court gave notice of a writ case asking for the banning of political parties that use names and symbols with connotations of religion. A PIL filed by Syed Wazim Rizvi to enforce Section 29A, 123 Subsection 3, and 123 Subsection 3A of the Representation of People's Act 1951, which forbids attracting voters based on their religion, was being considered by a court made up of Justices M.R. Shah and Krishna Murari. After hearing the case, the bent sent a notice to the Election Commission of India with the deadline of October 18 for a response. The political parties that have been targeted for relief were also requested to be impleaded in the case by the court. Moving on to the last and the final case for the day, current trend of public is so is to malign judges with baseless allegations, says the Allahabad High Court in the case of Muhammad Sarfraz versus Muhammad Abid and others, where it, the court imposes ten crore ten thousand rupees cost on litigant. Elaborating, Single Judge Justice J.J. Munir of Allahabad High Court made the observation while dismissing a transfer application which raised allegations against a presiding officer of the trial court. The allegations that have been leveled against the presiding officer in the trial court are reflective of the current trend in the society where the general public have developed the mindset to overawe judges by complaining and maligning them on baseless allegations, the court said in its order. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next one. Hello friends, welcome to the 5-Minute Legal to get your daily legal news updated. 9 September 2022, starting with our case for the day, MC Mehta vs Union of India. I'm sure we've all heard about this. Going into the facts of the case for now, MC Mehta, an environmental lawyer and social activist, filed a public interest litigation in the Supreme Court of India against about 89 respondents, wherein Respondents 1, 7, 8 and 9 were Union of India, the Chairman of the Central Board for Surveillance St- uh, and Control of Pollution, the Chairman of Uttar Pradesh Pollution Control Board and Indian Standards Institute respectively, who were not held liable. The court ruling commenced in 1985 in the holy city of Haridwar, located along the banks of the stream Ganga, when a matchstick flung by a smoker resulted in the river bursting into flames for over 30 hours. The fire was discovered to be a consequence of the presence of harmful, inflammable compound layer over the waters. The court had believed the issue to be one of prime significance, however, the immense size of the case, that is, the stretch of the river, was found to be troublesome. The issues that were found in the case were as follows. Whether all the leather tanneries had at least set up a primary treatment plant. Whether the state government had paid attention to the worsening condition of the sacred river and had initiated probation into the matter? Whether any steps, if at all, had been taken by the state? Whether the smaller industries should be funded for setting up affluent treatment plants? If yes, then what should be the criteria to determine smaller industries? What all steps should the central government must take to regulate pollutant discharge into the river throughout its course? Moving to the judgment of this well-known case, the court considered all the facts and gave the judgment in 1988. The court in this case stated that petitioner was someone who was interested in protecting the people who were using the water and he could file a petition to enforce statutory provisions against the Mahapalika and other officials involved. The court indicated that several waterborne diseases that could result due to the polluted water and how it is very harmful for the common man. On the issue of whose responsibility was it, the court held that the industries were responsible to make sure that their waste is treated properly and then discharged. The court further said that an industry should be given a license only if they can demonstrate an adequate way of treating the waste. The existing industries, if found responsible for water pollution, then strict action must be taken against them. The court also ordered the tanneries to establish a primary treatment plant, if not a secondary one. The court also held the Mahapalika responsible for not obliging to their duties and not taking any steps for prevention of water pollution. It issued directions to the Mahapalika to take immediate actions for the same. The court also asked the central government to issue books free of cost in order to increase the knowledge regarding the environment of the general public. It also said that this judgment would be applicable to all the mahapalikas which have a jurisdiction over the river Ganga. Thank you so much for hearing us out. Please do follow us on every social media platform. Stay tuned for the next one. Hello friends, welcome to the 5-Minute Legal to get your daily legal news updated. 14 September 2022, starting with our first case for the day. Z sues Rajat Sharma and India TV for telecasting 1993 episode of Aap Ki Adalat Vil Baal Thakren. Elaborating, journalist Rajat Sharma and his news channel India TV assured the Delhi High Court on Tuesday that they have removed from all platforms the 1993 episode of show Aapki Adalat with former Shiv Sena chief Bal Sahib Thakre. The assurance came as Z Media, owner of news channels like Z News and Z Hindustan, sued Sharma and India TV for copyright infringement. In its suit, Zee has argued that during the political turmoil in Maharashtra on June 25th and June 26th, India TV broadcasted a 1993 episode of Aapki Dalat Adalat with Thakre, which was originally produced and telecasted by Zee TV. Moving on to the next case for the day, Delhi High Court directs Subramanian Swami to hand over his Delhi bungalow within six weeks in the case of Dr. Subramanian Swami vs Union of India and Others. Elaborating, the Delhi High Court on Wednesday directed former BJP Sabha Member of Parliament Subramanian Swami to hand over possession of his Delhi bungalow to the estate officer within six weeks. Swami had been allotted a bungalow in Delhi by the Centre for five years in January 2016. He continued to live there throughout his Sabha tenure, which came to an end in April 2022. Moving on to the third case for the day, Bar Council of India calls for views of state bar councils on plea by Korean national seeking to practice law in India. Elaborating, the plea by the Korean national in Delhi High Court challenged BCI's 2020 decision of refusing to consider him as eligible for enrolment as an advocate on the roles of Bar Council of Delhi under the Provisions of Advocates Act. The petitioner stated that an Indian national who obtains a law degree in Korea is entitled to practice in Korea, and therefore, as per Section 24 of Advocates Act, a Korean national who has studied law in India should be allowed to practice in India. The letter further stated that in a meeting of the council, it was observed that section 24 subclause 1 of the Act uses the word may and not shall. This according to BCI makes the proviso directory and therefore there is no mandate on BCI to admit a national of another country as an advocate on a state bar role. Moving on to the final case for the day. Mukul Roh- uh, Roh- Rohatgi to be next Attorney General for India. Senior Advocate Mukul Rohatgi is later to be appointed the 14th Attorney General for India after K.K. Venugopal vacates the post. This will be Roh- uh, Rohatgi's second time as AG after his first stint between June 2014 and June 2017. At the end of June this year, A.G. Venugopal's tenure was extended for a period of three months or until further orders. This extension is set to expire on September 30. Venugopal was appointed as Attorney General on July 1, 2017, for a three year term, which was subsequently extended twice for a year each. Thank you for listening. Follow us on all social media channels. Stay tuned for the next one. Hello, Dosto. 5 Minute Legal My Aapka Swagat hai. 16 September 2022. Starting with our first case for the day, Kerala High Court stays order transferring sessions Judge S. Krishna Kumar, who authored provocative dress order in the case of S. Krishnakumar Kumar vs. State of Kerala. Elaborating, a division bench of Justices A.K. Jayasankara Nambiar and Mohammad Nia, CP of Kerala High Court, issued the order on an appeal against the decision of a single judge upholding his transfer. So the transfer of Kode Principal District and Sessions Judge S. Krishnakumar had come on the heels of widespread criticism of an order he delivered in early August in which it was held that sexual harassment case would not prima facie stand if the victim was wearing a sexually provocative dress. In his plea before the High Court, Krishna Kumar had contended that the transfer order was illegal, arbitrary and violative of Article 14 of the Constitution of India. It was also argued that a wrong order passed by a judge while discharging his duty cannot be grounds to transfer the judge. Moving on to the last case for the day and the second case for the day, in fact, prisoners who have spent 10-plus years in jail have long-pending appeals should be released on bail, says the Supreme Court to High Court in the case of an in-re-policy strategy for grant of bail. Elaborating here, a Supreme Court bench of Justices Sanjay Kishan call and M.M. Sundresh was hearing three petitions, two relating to bail pleas of individual petitioners arising out of the Allahabad High Court, and one a Suamoto PIL that the top court initiated to devise a policy strategy for granting bail in cases where appeals of trial court convictions have been long pending. The Supreme Court opined that persons in jail who have completed at least 10 years of sentence and whose appeals are not likely to be heard anytime soon should be enlarged on bail provided there are no other extenuating circumstances. Thank you for listening today. This was a short one, but see you for the next day. Thank you so much. Hello friends, welcome to the 5-Minute Legal to get your daily legal news updated, 23rd September 2022. Starting with our first update for the day, policy decision, Supreme Court refuses to entertain plea for warning label on liquor. Elaborating, the Supreme Court on Friday refused to entertain a plea seeking prohibition or regulation on the production, distribution and consumption of intoxicating drinks and drugs in the national capital. A bench of Chief Justice of India UU Lalit, Justice S. Ravindra and Justice Indira Banurji noted that it was a policy matter and thus directed petitioner to withdraw the petition. Either you withdraw this or we will dismiss it. This is a policy matter," the court said. Moving to the second update for the day, Delhi court allows plea by ED to transfer bail petition of AAP Minister Satyandar Jain to another court, elaborating, the Rouse Avenue Court on Friday allowed the plea of the Enforcement Directorate to transfer the proceedings in the bail application filed by Delhi Minister Satyendra Jain to another special court. Special Judge Gitanjali Goel had heard submissions in the Arm Admi Party Minister's bail plea and the matter was at the final leg when the ED sought a transfer. On Thursday, the ASG pointed out three grounds for seeking the transfer and argued that Jain initially sought medical bail and got admitted to Lok Nayak Hospital, which is under the control of the Delhi government. Moving on to the third update for the day, the Bombay High Court has cleared the route for Uddhav led Shiv Sena to stage a Sera rally at Shivaji Park. The Bombay High Court granted permission for the Thakre Shiv Sena to conduct its annual Dasera demonstration at Shivaji Park on October 5, 2022. A division bench of Justices R. D. Danuka and Kamal Khatta also dismissed Sada Sarvankar's intervention appeal, holding that Sarvankar had no jurisdiction in the case. Moving to the final and the last update for the day, the Supreme Court declines to hear a petition to regulate alcoholic beverages, citing it as a matter of policy. Elaborating, the Supreme Court panel of Chief Justice U.U. Lalit, Justices Ravendra Bhat and Indira Banerjee declined to hear a petition brought by BJP leader and attorney Ashwini Upadhyay to ban or limit the manufacturing, distribution and consumption of alcoholic beverages in the state of NCT Delhi. The ben said right away that the case was about policy making and that the court did not rule on it. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for the next ones. Follow us on all social media channels. Bye. The top mm mm mm-hmm. Bye. Friends, Welcome to the 5-Minute Legal to get your daily legal news updated, Fifth October 2022, starting with our first case for the day. Wife wanting to go for work after marriage, not cruelty, Bombay High Court denies divorce to husband in the case of Punlik Yavadkar vs Ujbala at Shubhangi Yavadkar. In a significant ruling, Justices Atul Chandurkar and Urmila Joshi Falke of the Nagpur bench of the Bombay High Court have held that if a wife expresses a desire to go for work, it would not amount to cruelty under Section 13 of the Hindu Marriage Act. The bench further noted that another ground of cruelty as alleged by the husband was that his wife had aborted her pregnancy without his consent. The court, however, noted that the wife had refused to take tuition classes owing to her pregnancy and that she was prepared to take the responsibility of the child. All the same, it is a prerogative on whether or not to continue with pregnancy, the court made it clear. Moving on to the second news of the day, modern satellite mapping needed to direct, detect encroachments, illegal construction, says the Supreme Court. So, the Supreme Court has observed that satellite mapping and geofencing for extremely significant for monitoring unauthorized construction, which has become a perennial problem. The Bench of Justice S.K. Call and A.S. Oka further observed that modern technology is important to detect encroachment and to monitor it. These observations were made by the court while hearing a plea filed in relation to unauthorised construction in the National Capital Region. Moving to the third case for the day. Delhi High Court permanently restrains foreign companies from using Tata trademark in cryptocurrency trading. Ruling in favour of Tata Suns Private Limited, the Delhi High Court has permanently restrained a UK-based company from unauthorizedly using the Indian. The present suit is liable to be decreed by a way of permanent injunction granted in terms of paragraph 30 of the judgement dated 19 September 2022. Going to the last case for the day, Yes Bank writ petition seeking directions to NCLT for urgent hearing, not maintainable, says Dish TV to Bombay High Court. Dish TV submitted that the plea filed by Yes Bank was a writ petition which is a public law remedy and issued only against state and its authorities and not against a private company. The plea by Yes Bank seeking directions to the National Company Law Tribunal, Mumbai, to hear and dispose of its urgent application to convene an extraordinary general meeting is not maintainable. Dish TV submitted before the Bombay High Court. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next month. Please follow us on all social media channels. Hello guys, welcome to the 5-Minute Legal to get your daily legal news updated. Today, we will talk about the Supreme Court observation on the MTP Act. Introducing, in a major decision, the Supreme Court invalidated a 51-year-old abortion law, the Medical Termination of Pregnancy Act of 1971, that prevents unmarried women from terminating pregnancies up to 24 weeks old. About the MTP Act, initially before 1960 terminating pregnancy was a punishable offence in India. Later, the Medical Termination of Pregnancy Act, which we call as MTP Act 1971, came into force. This act allowed termination of pregnancy up to 20 weeks of pregnancy and with the opinions of medical practitioners. In the year 2021, this Act was amended, and the new Medical Termination of Pregnancy Amended Act 2021 strengthens access to safe and legal abortion services. In 2021, the word any woman or her partner was added in place of the previous phrase married woman or her husband. By removing the phrase married woman or her husband from the MTP Act structure, the lawmakers intended to make Section 3's application more clear and include pregnancies that take place outside of the institution of marriage under the law's protection. When a pregnancy is alleged by the pregnant woman to have been caused by rape, termination is permitted at both phases within 20 weeks and between 20 and 24 weeks. Seven types of women are included in Section 3b of the rules under the MTP Act for pregnancies between 20 and 24 weeks. The Supreme Court's interpretation was as follows: The court ruled that the entirety of Rule 3B, Clause C, must be read in context with the other 3B subclauses and cannot be read in isolation. Only 3B subclause C can exclude unmarried women, where other subclauses, such as those relating to sexual assault survivors, minors, etc., do not make a distinction between married and unmarried women. According to the examples given in parenthesis in Rule 3B sub. Clause C or married woman's divorce or husband's death may constitute a change in material circumstances throughout the course of the pregnancy. The court stated that while widowhood and divorce are used as examples, the fact that they are listed in brackets at the conclusion of Rule 3b, subclause C, does not interfere with our reading of the rule. The court also broadened the scope of this rule, which which refers to survivors of sexual assault, rape or incest, to include married women. The decision said that even women who have undergone marital assault can be covered by the clause, even if it does not have the effect of abolishing the marital rape exemption under the Indian Penal Code. The significance of this was as follows. According to the court's purposive interpretation, Rule 3b's unifying element is a change in a woman's material condition. Although the decision acknowledges unmarried women's rights, it allows the decision of their actual enforcement to be made on a case-by-case basis. This decision also emphasizes the necessity for a thorough rethink in public policy formulation, taking into account all the stakeholders and putting a priority on women and their reproductive rights, rather than setting boundaries that doctors cannot breach while conducting abortions. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for the next one. Please follow us on all social media channels. Hello friends, welcome to the 5-Minute Legal to get your daily legal news updated. 14th October 2022 Today's topic is the Doctrine of Repugnancy. Introducing the doctrine of repugnancy is one of the crucial aspects where centre-state relations are concerned. As the name suggests, it involves solving state and centre-law conflicts. Article 254 of the Indian Constitution in Part 11 contains a mention of the doctrine of repugnancy. What is it? So, repugnancy is the term for a conflict between two laws that, when applied to the same set of facts, have contradictory results. It is the term used to describe contradiction and incompatibility between central and state laws when they are applied to the same subject matter. When two laws are so incompatible with one another that applying any one would mean breaking the other, this is known as a repugnancy issue. According to Article 254, the doctrine of repugnancy states that if any part of state law is incompatible with any part of a central law that the Parliament has the authority to enact, or any part of a law pertaining to a subject on list 3, the central law made by the Parliament shall prevail, and the law made by the state legislature shall be null and void to the extent of its incompatibility. Considering this doctrine, it doesn't matter if the central legislation was enacted before or after the state law. As a result, this understanding can be used to determine when a state law violates central law. The landmark judgments regarding these are, the initial guidelines to determine repugnancy were given in the case of M Karunanidhi versus Union of India. It was noted that in order to apply the doctrine of repugnancy, the following conditions must be met. They are a clear contradiction between the state act and the central law. The contradiction must be irreconcilable. It should be difficult to follow one law without also violating the other because of the conflict between its provisions, which would be severe enough to put the two acts into direct conflict. In India, the concepts of repugnancy have been used similarly in structure to those under the Australian constitution. According to Australian precedents, the court in the case of Deep Chand v State of Uttar Pradesh observed three criteria that can be used to determine if two sets of laws are repugnant to one another. The three criteria are whether the two contradictory provisions are directly at odds with one another, whether the parliament intended to make exhaustive legislation on the subject and to substitute the law made by the state legislature, and whether the areas of application of the two laws are the same. Concluding, with India being a country which is quasi-federal in nature, it is important to protect the interests of the state and state laws. The power of the president to give assent for the continuation of that particular state laws can operate as protection. Article 254 proves that the Indian constitution is both unitary and federal. This concept is essential to the centre-state relations in the country. It is crucial to determine the roles that the laws enacted by the centre and the state will operate. Thank you for listening. Please stay tuned for the next one. Follow us on our social media channels. Hello friends. Welcome to the 5-Minute Legal to get your daily legal news updated. 4th November 2022 Aaj ka case is Vishaka and others vs State of Rajasthan In this case, the issue of sexual harassment of a woman at work is discussed. It is a significant ruling in the history of sexual harassment at workplace. The facts of the case are as follows. A social worker named Banwari Devi was gang raped in because she selflessly worked to stop child marriage. Unfortunately, this criminal case was dismissed due to inadequate evidence supporting the crime. However, this incident attracted support from a number of NGOs and social activists, reinforcing the need for particular legislation for workplace sexual harassment of women in light of gender equality. Following that, this writ petition was submitted by a number of NGOs and social activists under Article 32 on the grounds that the Constitution's Articles 14, 15, and 21 had been violated. The ratio decidendi was as follows. The right to practice any occupation, trade, or profession is a fundamental right. Yet this right is largely dependent on the availability of a secure workplace. The right to life with dignity is included in India's constitution guarantee of the right to life. The legislature and executive have a fundamental duty to ensure such safety and protection of dignity by passing appropriate legislation and putting in place effectively available for it. After reviewing several judicial decisions and the relevant constitutional article, the court concluded that gender equality is incorporated in the Indian constitution and that the prevention of sexual harassment is a key component of gender equality. The court has the authority to uphold any fundamental rights under Article 32 in the absence of any specific law. The court established a set of guidelines known as the Vishaka Guidelines to ensure that women were protected from any type of social or uh, sexual harassment at work. The Vishaka guidelines were as follows. The guidelines state that it shall be the responsibility of the employer or other individuals responsible in workplaces or other institutions to take all necessary precautions in order to prevent or deter the commission of acts of sexual harassment, as well as to provide the procedures for the resolution, settlement or prosecution of such acts. These guidelines are specifically intended as a preventive measure, requiring all employers or those in responsibility of workplaces, whether in the public or private sector, to take the necessary precautions to stop sexual harassment. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next ones. Hello friends, welcome to the 5-Minute Legal to get your daily legal news updated. Starting with the first case for the day. Bombay High Court grants bail to temple priests accused of cultivating cannabis in temple premises in the case of Shantaram Doble v. State of Maharashtra. Elaborating, the Bombay High Court recently granted bail to a temple priest in Shirur, Pune, booked by police for allegedly cultivating cannabis in the temple premises. Single Judge Justice Sandeep Shinde noted that the charge sheet prima facie did not suggest that the place from where the ganja was recovered was in the exclusive possession of the priest. The police claimed to have recovered 10 kilograms of ganja, and the priest council argued that the amount of ganja recovered was of non-commercial quantity and hence rigorous Section 37 of the Narcotic Drugs and Psychotropic Substances Act would not apply. Moving to the second case for the day, death of independence of judiciary. Gujarat High Court lawyers assemble in Chief Justice Court to protest proposed transfer of Justice Nikhil S. Karyal. Just asked after Baron and Bench reported on transfer of Justice Nikhil S. Karyal from Gujarat High Court to Patna High Court, hundreds of advocates, including senior advocates, gathered in the Court Hall of Chief Justice of Gujarat High Court to register their protests against the move. When Chief Justice Arvind Kumar asked why they had assembled in court. A senior advocate highlighted the proposed transfer and said that it is a death of independence of judiciary for which they wish to observe two minutes of silence. The senior advocate underlined that normally the Chief Justice of the High Court is consulted before transferring a judge. Moving to the last case for the day, Air India tells Kerala High Court it is not state under Article 12 following disinvestment, not amenable to writ jurisdiction. Following the policy decision taken by the central government to disinvest 100% of its holdings in Air India and transfer of its shares to Tata Group in January this year, the Kerala High Court has been informed that the airline company is no more a state within the purview of Article 2012 of the Constitution. In an affidavit filed through its assistant manager personnel, the company said since it has ceased to be a government company, a writ petition is not maintainable against it. A division bench Chief Justice Satish Chandra Sharma and Justice Subramanyam Prasad observed that the election symbols Reservation and Allotment Order 1968 makes it very clear that the right to use an election symbol can be lost with the dismal performance of the party. Thank you so much. Stay tuned for our next one. Hello, friends, welcome to the 5 Minute Legal to get your daily legal news updated, 23rd November 2022. Starting with our first case for the day, Kerala High Court directs state government to ensure privacy for lawyer client meetings in jail. Elaborating, the Kerala High Court recently directed the state government to ensure that there is enough space provided in jails to ensure privacy when an accused meets his or her lawyer. A division bench of Chief Justice S. Mani Kumar and Justice Shaji Echali passed this direction while recording the submission of the state government that there are some space constraints in certain sub jails. It is viewed that there should be sufficient space for the advocates and clients to interact, and privacy should also be taken care of by respondents. In the above circumstances, we direct the respondents to explore the possibility of providing sufficient space, if required, to adopt the rough sketch submitted by the district legal services authority and issue appropriate directions, the judgment stated. The petitioner submitted that section 40 of the Prison Act of 1894, Section 47 of the Kerala Prisons and Correctional Services Management. Act 2010 and Rule 827 subclause 2 of the Kerala Prisons and Correctional Services Rules 2014 mandate that privacy should be given to the council and his client while taking instructions. Moving to the second and the last case for the day, cannot discriminate against adopted son when it comes to compassionate appointment, says the Karnataka High Court. A division bench of justices Suraj Govindaraj and G. Basavaraja said that a son is a son and a daughter is a daughter, adopted or otherwise, and if any distinction is made between them, then no purpose would be served so by adoption. We are of the considered opinion that the application made by the adopted son for compassionate appointment is bona fide and is required to be considered in the background of the difficulties faced by the family. A son is a son or a daughter is a daughter adopted or otherwise. If such a distinction is accepted, then there would be no purpose served by adoption. Be that as it may, apparently taking into account that the same would violate Article 14, the said rules have been amended so as to do away with with the artificial distinction. The bench noted that the petitioner's son was adopted by his deceased father as his biological son had died in a road accident in November 2010. Therefore, the bench ordered the authorities to reconsider the petitioner's application for job on compassionate basis. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next one. Hello friends welcome to the 5 minute legal to get your daily legal news updated 12th December 2022 starting with our first case for the day Justice Dipankar Datta takes oath as Supreme Court judge working strength of court rises to 28 Elaborating Justice Dipankar Datta was sworn in on Monday as a judge of the Supreme Court of India with Justice Datta's addition the working strength of the top court rose to 28 as against its sanctioned strength of 34 Justice Datta was appointed as Chief Justice at the Bombay High Court in April 2020. He practiced primarily in the Supreme Court and High Courts in constitutional and civil matters before being elevated as a permanent judge of the Calcutta High Court on June 22, 2006. Moving on to the second case for the day, if you really want India to be an international arbitration hub, it has to start from you, Supreme Court to central government in the case of DAMEPL vs DMRC Limited, The Supreme Court on Monday slammed the central government for not paying an amount ordered to be paid by an arbitral tribunal and said that efforts to make India an international arbitration hub must be led by the government itself. The court was hearing a plea seeking enforcement of an arbitration award of Rs 7,200 crore in favour of Delhi Airport Metro Express Private Limited to be paid by Delhi Metro Rail Corporation. A bench of Justices V R Gavai and Vikram Nath referred to public speeches on making India an international arbitration hub and told Attorney General for India R Venkataramani that the award which was upheld by the Supreme Court has to be followed. Moving to the third case for the day, Madras High Court imposes Rs. 50,000 costs on man who filed contempt plea against Family Court Judge for not concluding hearing on time in the case of G.P. Bhaskar v. Sumathi. Justice G.K. Ilana Tharyan of the Madras High Court recently imposed a cost of Rs 50,000 on a man and to deposit the amount with the Chief Justice Relief Fund, who had filed a contempt of court petition against a judge at the family court in the city claiming that the judge had failed to wind up his divorce proceedings within the stipulated time period set by the High Court. The court said that the contempt petition filed by Bhaskar was a clear case of abuse of the process of law. It also questioned why the High Court registry had failed to rightly assess the contempt petition and why it had mechanically numbered it. Moving to the last case for the day. Rights of secured creditors under Sarfesi Recovery of Debts Act take precedence over statutory taxes due, says the Madras High Court in the case of uh, State Bank of India versus the Tax Recovery Officer. The Madras High Court recently held that the right of secured creditors under recovery of debts and bankruptcy act and surface act to realize debt must be prioritized over statutory dues under the Income Tax Act in the event of a conflict of priorities. A bench of Justices R. Mahadevan and Mohammad Shafiq said that even if recovery proceedings are quashed for any reason in a case, the bankers or financial institutions' right to claim priority in terms of Section 31B of the Recovery of Debts and Bankruptcy Act and Section 26E of the Surface Act would be available, and the right to recover under the Income Tax Act 1961 must yield to the provisions under the Surface Act and the Recovery of Debts and Bankruptcy Act. Please follow us on all social media channels like LinkedIn, Instagram, etc. Thank you for listening.